everyone. I'm Brittany, the content and research producer. And I'm Ellie, the media and content producer at Magnify. And welcome to the Magnify podcast, where we co-host aspirational conversations to help you thrive and work through faith. This podcast is a place where we explore all the topics and questions which we all grapple with in our careers and faith. From imposter syndrome, identity, perfectionism, acting in courage, boundaries, really the list could go on. We dig in and get frank about all things work using faith as a backdrop. And through these conversations with dynamic individuals, we hope you'll leave informed, intrigued, and inspired in your faith and work life. So Brittany, I have a couple of questions for you. Um, are you ever left feeling deflated and unmotivated when you compare your position in your work journey to somebody else's? Do you ever ask why them and not me? Does it leave you feeling like you're too far behind or wonder why if you started at the same time as them, why you aren't in the same place as them now? Oh, short answer, yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> um, but it's interesting because it doesn't feel that great to admit it, right? Like, no one wants to say, <laughs> none of us want to say that we compare ourselves. Deflated was a good word for that because there are moments when it kind of just feels like, you know, the air kind of got plopped out of my balloon and I'm like, all right, then, (laughs) Um, you know, I'm not necessarily where I thought I might be or, you know, maybe if I do find myself comparing my journey to someone else's and being like, oh, it seems like they're a bit farther along and maybe I need it. Maybe I need to catch up. Maybe I need to work harder or do more. And it's interesting because it never actually leaves me feeling any better. It never actually leads to um, anything else. Definitely. Um, and it's, yeah, it's interesting that you say it's never a fruitful process to go through. It's just only ever leaves you with negative emotion. And as we speak about as well, it's not only just comparison to other people around you, but it's also comparison with your own expectation, where you think you should be as well at this point in your life. When we get caught up in the pace of someone else's success, we disregard our own, which can really just take out the joy, which we can find in the process of what we're doing. And we were so excited to speak to today's guest, Chibundu Anuzo award-winning author of two novels, The Spider King's Daughter and Welcome to Lagos, became successful at a young age and has grown to understand that everyone works differently and therefore progress looks different for everyone. Yeah, definitely. Um, And also in this episode, Bindu spoke about how we have a choice and how much we enjoy the process to get to the destination we are striving for in work. And she also got really real about asking where the expectations we put on ourselves come from and also why it's so important to break down big goals into small steps. It was a really great conversation and got really vulnerable. So let's listen in. Amazing. Um, So we always start with a question just to warm up. Um, So what's an irrational fear that you have? Um, So an irrational fear that I have, it often comes when I'm boiling pasta, actually. I'm always afraid that I'm not going to boil enough. and so it's funny actually, and it's, it happens when I'm making chips as well, oven chips. So you put how much you think you're going to need, and there's like a window where you can add more. Yeah. Um, because if you add more after that, then it's going to be sort of unevenly cooked. Um, so yes, I always worry that I'm not going to have enough. And I think it's linked to like a wider fear of scarcity <laughs> or fear of lack. <laughs> but yes, I always worry about the pasta. Yeah, pasta pasta <laughs> portions are hard to master, even after all they these are. years. I, I don't think I've got it down yet. Um, what about you, Brittany? Mine is, um, I had to think on this one a little bit, but I realized like, I have a fear that I'm always going to forget to to lock our, the front door when I leave out of the house and like have doubled back to 
<laughs> to check my door, even though I know that I locked it yeah. and everything. Like, I still have to come back and check just to make sure. Like, sometimes I've walked in the house and been like, has everything turned off? <laughs> All sorts of stuff. But, um, yeah. You can't you can't get peace of mind until you've done that double nope. check, can you? Yeah. Just constantly <laughs> thinking about it. How about you, Ellie? Um, I think um, one of the things it's like I mean it's completely irrational in every single way but when I'm online shopping and I'm sort of inputting card details I always get scared that the ones that I put in for me are wrong but they're right for somebody else and I'll be done for fraud (laughs) along the way which is just like as I said it's completely irrational in every single way but it's a fear that I have I mean I I don't know anyone who it's happened to so I don't know where it's come from but (laughs) I'm working through it (laughs) that's hilarious okay so um, we always like to ask, um, if you could have a dinner party with three guests from any era, who would they be and why? So I would definitely have Benjamin Franklin, um, because he, as well as being an American founding father, he just pursued all his interests in life. So he was an inventor. He was just an incredibly exceptional man. And I think he really enjoyed his life. And he also had this theme about contentment. So he made all these inventions and um, sometimes he wouldn't take out a patent for them because um, he just didn't think it was necessary. He was like, I have enough money, so I don't need to make any more money. Um, So he'd definitely be one. Who would my other two be? I would have um, Mariam Ba. She's Mm -hmm. a writer who wrote So Long a Letter. And I think she's absolutely fantastic it's an epistolary novel it's um it's very short but it's just a very beautiful novel about marriage and female friendships and um yeah it's just really good and um, so i'd have her i'd probably have michelle obama it's such a cliche yes you gotta I, have her I, there I, I, <laughs> yeah. I, i'd have michelle i admire her a lot actually okay the next one is what's a surprising fact about you i'm classically trained so i play the piano i play by ear as well actually um so if i hear a song i can probably most of the time i can play it back um so yes i mean it's not it's not a secret i play in my church so i'm in my church band but i don't often attend many events where there's a piano and i can perform (laughs) generally i'm just (laughs) sitting sitting on a stage um reading from my books so um yeah yeah and what's your favorite childhood memory um when i was around seven or eight i remember my mom bought i was a massive reader my mom bought um a lot of books for me and i didn't know she had bought them for me and so i went upstairs and i saw this massive stack of books and i thought gosh who is the lucky person these books are for who is this lucky person so you know i'm you know growing up you couldn't take things without asking you know so like i took one and I went downstairs sort of like, sort of trembling. And I was like, mommy, I don't know who these books are for. But, you know, please, can I just have this one to read? And she was like, they're all for you. They're all yours. <laughs> I was like, they're mine. They're all mine. So, yes, that's one of my, I just felt so loved. I'm like, oh, my gosh, all these yeah. books are for me. I that love is that. incredible. That's I literally, yeah, I feel like I can feel that emotion that you felt when you saw them and realised they were for you. Um, so sort of on that thread, what was your childhood like and what do you think are the values that have shaped you into who you are now? Um, it was fantastic. It was um, a very beautiful childhood. Um, I lived, 
I have four. I have three siblings, so there's four of us. Um, but then a lot of cousins and extended family sort of passed through the home. So the house was just sort of never empty, never quiet. Um, I think we had something like, you know, six bedrooms, but I never had a bed until I moved to England. You know, like I've always shared a bed my whole life. And it's only when I came to England that I realized that this was something to feel sad and deprived about. Yeah, I, I sort of, I enjoyed myself. I had a lot of books. I started writing very young. Um, and I had a lot of encouragement, just sort of, yeah, just get on with it. I started writing my first novel when I was 10. Um, wow. And um, nobody sort of made a big deal out of it. It was like, oh, yes, of course. Yes, she's writing a novel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's 10 year old yes, writing exactly. a novel. Yeah, smart thing. Exactly. <laughs> Amazing. Um, and obviously, now you, st- you wrote your first novel in when you were 10 years old, but you've now published two novels. Mm. Um, so, sort of, how did you fall into being an author? Was it something you always wanted to do, or was it something that just sort of happened out of the blue? Mm. I mean, so I should mention, I grew up in Nigeria. So I grew up in Lagos, Nigeria. So when I started that first novel, I was 10. Um, I didn't finish it, which is something I often tell people who are sort of writers but haven't finished a project, that no project is wasted. So the first thing you do may not be the first thing you finish, but it's um, practice. But yeah, so I was writing when I was 10. I was setting all my books in America with like white children and white protagonists because a lot of the television we watched was Western. Um, So Powerpuff Girls and Amanda Bynes. And so yeah, I mean, I didn't start setting my fiction in England until I'm in Nigeria, until I moved to England when I was 14. Um, I started, part of it was homesickness, part of it was a sort of self-assertion um, and arriving in a place where, you know, people were incredibly ignorant about Nigeria. Um, and so it sort of made me hold on tightly to where I came from and say sort of I come from somewhere, I come from somewhere with traditions, with stories, with things that are interesting. So I suppose I, I tried many projects from when I was 10 um and my sister who encouraged me my oldest sister delici she bought me a book called the writers and artists yearbook so yeah that sort of that that was the journey of trying different projects and sending to agents and getting rejections for some of those projects and then eventually when i was 17 or 18 i sent it off to the agent i sent off the spider king's daughter which was the first book that i finished I sent that off to the agent that became my agent and then sort of then it's sort of then the rest sort of became history. And I just have one quick question as well just off of that I guessed from like Brittany and I are both writers as well um what was it like sort of hearing that your book was going to be published and what was it like holding it for the first time as well? I guess I found it all you know quite overwhelming actually sort of looking back um because I, I wanted to be published and all of that um but um I guess what people don't tell you, or maybe something you discover for yourself, that sudden change in any direction, whether positive or negative, can be disconcerting. Um, And Mm. so, yeah, I just sort of found the experience um, overwhelming. Um, It was like, oh, wow, this thing is happening. Um, 
and especially with the spider king's daughter from the moment it was announced because i was 19 when i signed my contract and I, i'm still young but you know i was younger i'm I, I think i am flyer now but i was a pretty fly 19 year old so like you know i was oh so photogenic like i was so it was announced on like cnn or something like it was it, it was a very big splash you know and so suddenly it was like oh my gosh what's going on i mean okay it wasn't like there was paparazzi outside my house but it was a big change i was in, in i was in university i'm st- i'm 29 now i'm still often the youngest person in the room when i enter at literary event you know if, if i was publishing my first book today i would be considered a young author so talk less of when you're publishing your first book at 21 like i was like the youngest by far the youngest and i just always felt like everybody was smarter than me but it's fine it was fine for them to be smarter than me because i was 21 and they were in their 50s like you know it was fine but you know i'd go on radio and i did a lot of press on bbc radio and this is that and i'd go on all these panel shows and it just seemed like everybody could just speak so eloquently and they could run on kind of how like i'm running on now i'm telling you guys I don't need you guys to ask me questions. I can talk for one hour now. But it's practice. And, you know, I would compare myself to these people that have been doing this for, for a decade, doing this for 20 years, 30 years. And I'm like, oh, everybody's so much more intelligent than me. I found it overwhelming um, overwhelming at first. Yeah. And I feel like I didn't, I didn't enjoy the process enough. I was just worried. For what? I don't even know what I was worried about. But I was just worried. And I feel like my third novel is coming out... Um, next year in june and i find like oh i'm just i can now sort of enjoy it like oh the in, in the cover okay let me see the cover oh the blur okay let me see the blurb like nothing is <laughs> nothing is that serious yeah. you know it just it's nothing is that serious you know it's the benefits of age you know it's funny because you're you're kind of answering some of the things <laughs> we wanted to ask you anyway even um you know kind of talking about working uh just accepting your pace mm. and where you are and like being the youngest. Um, but like we obviously, of course we all work very differently. Mm. Um, and the beginning of being able to be content in that is to go ahead and like accept your pace mm. and that brings success. But um, how did you begin to like, to learn that and understand that in your career and kind of accept where you are? Um, it's definitely still like, it's definitely still a journey. Like there's so many things that, you know, you want to do. And sometimes you can't see sort of how to get there. I think that sometimes it's like you can't see the steps of how to get there. And I remember, um, I remember a friend of mine who was younger. She was asking me, "What would you have done differently in your twenties?" And I said, "You know, I wouldn't have done any. I wouldn't have done anything different because okay, it's like okay, but I've done all these things, but I would have been different. Like one of the most profound mm-hmm. things I heard this year is that you're not a human." doing you are a human being and you know the, the process to doing those things there's always a lot of pressure there's always a lot of hey you know i have to do this i have to do this by then and this this that and i and i always say i mean i give this example of my show at this at the south bank you know the first time we did it for some reason i don't know why i was very worried about it you know selling out like i wanted all this i wanted this, the auditorium to be sold out i would check maybe every couple of days to see if it has sold out like has it sold out and then towards the end when the the show was getting close i would check you know every day i'd be checking has it sold out, has it sold out? <laughs> okay so the show now sold out and i said to myself so this checking every day that you are doing 
Did he help the show to sell out? No! The show was going to sell out anyway. So you could have worried all the way to it selling out, which you did. Or you could have enjoyed the journey all the way to it selling out. So it's, it's like, which which are you going to choose? What which which are you going to, which which route are you going to choose? Because I believe that you know I will get to my destination. It's a journey, so it's it's um it's definitely a journey, but it's sort of what I remind myself, you know. That reminds me of um something I read actually the other day, which was um all, you know worries never add up to anything but time, and it's that same thing as mm. you can be checking, you can be you know doing everything you can to try and feed that worry, mm. but at the end of the day, it doesn't amount to anything but lost time mm. for you. It doesn't actually help you get to where you're going. I kind of want to double back a little bit too, because I think like something for me as a a writer like. Um, just in like the past couple of years, I realized like I had this mindset of like, this is the life of a writer. This is how you're supposed mm. to do it, like be very regimented. And then I realized I don't work like mm. that. <laughs> um, but how do you balance that with your deadlines as well, since both are important? Mm. Well, the thing is, I sometimes I read a lot of, not a lot, but I'm interested in, I listen to a lot of podcasts with people who mm. have had success in their fields um who have um in whatever field they've achieved excellence and the one thing that i can say that unites all of them is that they don't give up that's all all of them do things differently <laughs> you know some of them will tell you i wake up at this time and i make my bed every morning others will tell you no i believe in four day four hour work week this 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 that but one thing that unites all of them is that when they had do, they did not say, okay, I'm not doing this thing again. They got up and they kept going. That resilience, mm-hmm. I would say, that's what, that's what you need. But as to approach and all of that, that's all based on personalities. But as to the idea of like reaching deadlines, um, yeah, I mean, it, I, that's sort of my job, you know. So if I have a deadline to work towards, then I have to work towards it. And so I can't say that I must be on my laptop, you know, from nine to five. And so, so for some writers, that's how, um, that's how they work. Um, and, you know, every morning they have to wake up and I have to be at my desk by seven and I have to have finished by this time. But I'm not like that. No, I, I work in spurts. So sometimes I have very intense spurts. Obviously, if I have a deadline, then, well, I have to produce this thing by this time. So I have to sit down and do it. But like a novel isn't really like that. So this novel that's coming out, for example, it's um, it's been over. I've been writing it for. It took about four years to write, four five years. So it's like you ebb and flow. You know, you have spots of writing, you have spots of thinking. Yeah, I like that of like combining it, of not thinking about like the time is it's different, like a time for writing or time for thinking. But all of it is a part of the. Yeah. It feeds into each other either way. Um, and one of the one of the pieces that you wrote, which I was reading recently, um, I, there was a quote which I picked out, which I really liked, which was, it, it is not a syrupy platitude to say everyone is a winner. It is an acknowledgement of the fact that everyone is running their own race, in their own lane, in their own gear, with their own supporters. Um, so what has been your own journey, sort of with viewing your career as a separate race from those around you, especially as a creative, you know, different successes come at different times. So has it been hard to accept that yours, I mean, you had success at a very young age, but did you find, you know, in those rooms where you felt a bit out of place, how did you deal with 
differentiating your place from their place and your your own lane from theirs i guess you you just have to decide um and once you say like i often once you say that this is what i want to do you know even if it doesn't make sense to people in the beginning i say well it will make sense to you one day it makes sense to me so um i remember like i went to an event i always try to put a singing segment in my events now and if i can and i went to an event um and i sang and this audience member had the guts to ask me why did i sing i said ah at my own event you are asking me why i sang and in fact i even gave him one very polite answer like oh i left to just express all my gifts and you know i just like to explore my passions i should have told him please can you get out of here if you don't want to hear singing <laughs> because when chibundu is doing an event chibundu wants to read chibundu wants to sing if possible chibundu wants to dance and if you don't like it there are other writers that are speaking yeah so go to their own events <laughs> see rob you show hey did i beg you <laughs> <laughs> i love how sort of unapologetic you are in in your passions and stuff but was that something that you found you know that confidence that you have in you know your passions and things was that a a process to get to or has it been something you've always felt very confident in you know i listened to this um talk um it was a christian one that was speaking um and the woman said that um girls are their most confident at the age of nine and from there their confidence decreases like on average and in my head i was like god forbid it will not be my portion in jesus name i said you pick at nine but i know i know what she means because i you you know when that sort of happens i've always been very strident very forceful but you know i i do remember sort of those teenage years and especially when boys now become involved and then suddenly you're very self-conscious and you're sort of you're suddenly sort of living in people's perceptions of you like you know before you enter a room and you just want to say your own now you enter a room and you're thinking what would this person think when i say it is my voice too loud is this this that and the other um, so you, we definitely all go through, well, not all, but most of us, we go through that phase. And I would say, yes, I definitely went through it where I felt like, you know, I couldn't, um, I could, like, the thing is, I've always been forceful. So I think actually the journey for me has been for the, for the inside to match the outside. So I feel like there was a point where they matched and then there was a point where, I sort of let all those things sort of enter the inside and then now um and part of it you know, i went for counseling and then sort of starting to bring that inside and outside to match you know i, I was telling my counselor i said they are not ready for me oh this world is not ready oh, they are not ready now because now that the outside and the inside is matching oh my gosh i'm sorry for you people i'm sorry <laughs> I'm actually sorry, but um, yes, just that um, yes, that inside and outside um, inside and outside matching. I love that. Um, and yeah, you're speaking sort of on a more personal level there in terms of focusing on yourself. And a lot of the time when we speak about comparison and competition, we look sort of we speak about it as comparing ourselves to other people, but actually sometimes we can compare it against ourselves and that whole idea of where we should be about our expectations and comparing against where we yeah where we think we should be to comparing to where we are now but how do you personally handle those own expectations in your own work i got a lot of the things that i wanted like i made 
can almost say maybe like an, a, a small idol out of this whole book deal thing. So I mean, I got it at um, I got it at twenty one, um, and I started guessing a, a certain degree of sort of public recognition or however you want to call it from from a young age, and you know, you, I sort of realized, well, those things don't really make you make you happy. You know, those things don't. They can't give you a sense of self. Like, if you don't have, if you don't know who you are, somebody giving you a book deal is not going to make you know who you are. <laughs> if you don't know, if you are not grounded, you know, because you always be looking to something external to validate something that can only be validated internally. Um, and so this is why I'm saying like, to feel sort of the beginnings of that internal, like, you know, like, I know who I am and and a lot of it is is um is faith is to do with my faith and my relationship with God and that I know that I am loved and I know that I am seen and like I know that you know there's somebody that is always happy to hear that Chibundu is around more peace it's not that and it's not that I don't I don't get those things of oh why don't I have this at this age and often, generally, those things like are external. Sometimes when you feel, oh, because I'm turning 30 next year. So it's like, oh, you know, sometimes they'll say, oh, take, take, take stock of your life. Take, take stock, you know. Where should you be by this age? And sometimes I think, you know, this is such a waste of time. Like, you know, it's like somebody who didn't write my book telling me this is what should be happening on page 30. And you just sort of deconstruct, like, where did you get this idea from that you have to have done this by this, you know? Where, where did it come from? And you sort of, sort of deconstruct the idea, look at it, and then you say, this idea is rubbish, so I am going to put it in the bin. I've had that moment too of like, you realize like, actually, is this even what I wanted? Like, where did this come from? <laughs> Who said <laughs> that this is what it needed to be? And then you're like, yeah, I didn't say that, so no worries. <laughs> even discussing comparison, um, sometimes it can go Sometimes it can be even more frustrating beyond just like looking around you. Sometimes it's just like, I don't know what the next step is, <laughs> which can make it feel a bit more frustrating because you're like, it seems like everybody else knows. <laughs> everybody else seems to have a clue <laughs> and I don't know what mine is. Um, have you ever felt lost in what to do next? And have you, how'd you kind of wade through that and work through it? I think always the next step is, is closer than you think, you know, so we actually never want to take the next step. We want to take the next leap. And I say, why? When you are not a long jumper, do you want to take the next leap? You know? Um, so I'm trying to think like, so like when you sort of break it up, it's always, there are always very sort of small things you can do. So now I'm sort of thinking like, oh, like eventually I want to release an album. And it's like, oh gosh, man, I don't have money to record like 10 songs. Like, how am I? No, 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 no. First, the, the next step is just sit down at the piano. Start writing the songs first before you start worrying that you don't have money to record the songs. You know? Um, then so the next step is often always closer. Same thing with people I tell who are writing a book. I said, what's daunting you is that you're thinking of this as how am I going to write 70,000 words? How am I going to write 80,000 words? So nobody sits down and writes 80,000 words. Nobody. Everybody sits down. If you are lucky, you write a page. Um, most people, you write a couple of paragraphs sometimes just one paragraph sometimes a sentence sometimes all you can put that day is comma you just put your comma 
so yes it's um it's it's those it's small steps it's it's, it's small steps you know and we all of all of us we do it we despise the days of, of humble beginnings you know we're always we always think yeah it's it's fine it's ahead it's you know and you'll get there You'll get there, but if you want to do everything in leaps, you know, you won't you won't enjoy the journey. This is what I'm saying about not putting so much pressure on yourself. You won't you because you'll reach that destination. That's so good. Have you have you felt like your faith has helped you to navigate during times when like either you've you might have felt a little bit lost in your career or like um maybe even like creative block. We were kind of talking about that earlier. <laughs> like those moments as a writer yeah. where you feel like you <laughs> you have like a, a little bit of a block of like the thoughts and the ideas aren't coming yeah. as much. I think um, you, you pray about everything, you know, sort of everything is, is open for prayer. And it's something that sort of I'm discovering, you know, everything is sort of, God is interested in, in everything. And I often think sometimes, you know, before, <laughs> I often think sometimes I have like, I feel like I have a, a hidden advantage, but it's not hidden, it's open to everybody. Jesus said, Come unto me, all you that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I feel like mm-hmm. I have an advantage, Joe, because this creative life is long. This creative life, no no matter what stage at you you are at, you know, there's rejection. You know, I, I know the projects I've pitched this year, and people said, Thank you, but it's nice, but it's not for us, you know. And it's just that I believe that I'm going, God is taking me somewhere. You know, so like, while, you know, other people are feeling like there's no point or there's no hope. I say, I always have hope. Ha! I always have hope because I serve a God that sees the end from the beginning. So I always have hope. His messes are new every morning. And, and I've seen it. I've seen it with my colleagues. I've seen that not having that anchor, not having that steadying that you can feel like every blow that you get you know can feel like this is the end or you can feel um yeah you could, because human beings were so fragile um whatever profession you do was so fragile um and so i have that anchor that strength thank you so much for your for your words today like this is incredible definitely i, I think we both really enjoyed this conversation yeah i've enjoyed it too Good, I'm glad. I'm really glad. Um, And yeah, I'm sure our listeners will take so much from this as well. So thank you so much. One of the biggest things that like stood out to the conversation, you're going to get to where you're going regardless, right? And so you can either buy the time by like worrying about it, or you could actually like enjoy the journey of it, take in like all the beautiful things that there are to see along the way, you know, which can be, can definitely be harder at certain times than others. but that was just such a beautiful one of like, and I think sometimes they, you know, just one of those things, you know, but you don't always like, you know, actually live out of like, enjoy it. I think that's something we've both said, like in our work as writers yeah. as well, sort of, you do put, you give so much of yourself to your work sometimes. Yeah. And um, you do worry about it so that when it comes to the final product, because there's been so much worry and pressure around it, you almost don't enjoy the final product. And that's so awful because it should be something which you're really proud of. And when you have that journey of worry and more negative feelings towards it, I do think that it taints the final um, product as well. So I think like that's such an important thing. As you said that, yeah, we should definitely enjoy it more and as you like, as you said Brittany some days are easier than others I think it's stopping in your tracks isn't it and just saying like actually yeah. this is what I want to be doing and without me doing this today I wouldn't be able to go to where I want to go to but yeah I also just really loved how she was speaking about how 
Put the quote where she said we were so eager to make the leap, but we need to make the step yes. first. I love. Oh that. my goodness, so the way that Chibundu broke broke down, taking the next step. Yeah, <laughs> and it's literally just as simple as like, okay, if I want to make an album, in her case, it's not always where's the money coming from to make the album. You know, the final product is the shiniest part of it. It's like the the most beautiful part of it, right? And I think that also goes back to the joy thing. Like sometimes the joy is just in that. It's like. You know, you love music. Let's make it. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's have fun making it while we're doing it. And then, you know, you look up and you're like, oh, I'm a little bit farther than where I was. No, I love that. And I think as well, like, as you said, we're so used to sort of striving for the next thing always. But actually, we don't need to cross the hurdles until they're in front of us. And I think a lot of the time we try and answer questions which we don't need to ask yet. The questions yeah. we don't need to even think about. Like yeah. Chibindu said with her music, you know, she doesn't need to think, oh, I don't have the money to write songs because... The songs aren't even written, so that's not an issue which she needs to think about yet and needs to have an answer for yet. Yeah. We talk about ambition a lot and how it really is like this beautiful thing of like to have this drive and this determination. And I feel like yeah. um, our conversations this season so far and specifically this one is just kind of learning how to um, how to handle that ambition and how to handle that drive in a way that um, allows you to uh, to still enjoy it. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode. If you know anyone who might love this episode too, go ahead and share it with them. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. We love to hear your thoughts and it really helps us out. And if you enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe to our email list, which you can find on the Magnify website, where you'll get connected and informed with even more inspiring content. And also our inbox is always open. So if you have a topic you want us to chat about, or if you have something that you just want to add to our conversations, you can email us at elliatmagnifycollective.com. 